I don't know whether anybody's had a chance to read 1 Kings 18. Uh, possibly not. A couple of people have said, oh, we know it well enough, we don't need to read it. You have? Well done. Oh, great. Good. And uh, if you know it well enough, perhaps somebody else could come up and preach. <laughs> and uh, so here we go, 1 Kings chapter 18. Let me read the first couple of verses first. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. And Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab, and there was a sore famine in Samaria. And then down, please, to uh, verse 21. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks, and let them choose one bullock for themselves, and cut it in pieces, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under it. And I will dress the other bullock, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under. And call ye on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, It is well spoken. Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourselves, and dress it first, for ye are many, and call on the name of your gods, but put no fire under. And they took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it and called on the name of Baal from morning until even, uh, from morning even until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered, and they leaped upon the altar which was made. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is talking or he is pursuing, or he is in a journey, or peradventure he sleepeth and must be awakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancets till the blood gushed out upon them. And it came to pass when midday was past, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that there was neither voice nor any to answer nor any that regarded. And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, and to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order, and cut the bullock in pieces, and laid him on the wood, and said, Fill four barrels with water, and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. He said, Do it the second time. And they did it the second time, 
And he said, do it the third time. And they did it the third time. And the water ran around about the altar, and he filled the trench also with water. It came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell, and consumed the burnt sacrifice, and the wood and the stones, and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, The Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal, let not one of them escape. And they took the prophets of Baal. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon, and he slew them there. And that brings us back to verse 41, where we finished off our message this morning. Sure, God will add his blessing to the reading of his word. Father, we praise thee again for this precious word that we have in our hands. Make it a lamp unto our feet this evening, a light unto our path, we pray. And as we study this man, Elijah, and that the fact that he was so faithful to thee, we pray that we will see in him again a picture of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray that as we speak, our God, that you will give us words to speak, that you will give us clarity of thought and freedom of speech, so that as we speak, our God, that everyone might realise that this one who is our God, he is God indeed, almighty God, the one who created all things by the word of his power and the one who sent his son to be the saviour of the world. So bless this service, our God and Father. Bless every word that is spoken and may it all be done for thy glory and for thine honour. For we ask it in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So this morning for maybe those who weren't here, you remember we looked at the two prayers of Elijah. It was entitled The Two Prayers of Elijah. He prayed first of all that it would not rain for three and a half years. And then secondly, in the book of James, in the epistle of James, right at the end there in chapter 5, he prayed that it would rain. And it did rain. And he was a man who was faithful to God and loved God and spent time in communion with God. And when he spoke to God, he had faith that God would answer his prayers. And that's where we should be, isn't it? That's what we spoke about this morning. We should be in a position where we speak to God and our lives are being lived rightly and correctly by the light of his word. And if we do that, then he will answer our prayers. We've heard of answered prayer from the pulpit this evening. Praise God for answered prayer. Praise God that he, he, he answers our prayers. He's a God who answers our prayers. We just read about those prophets of Baal, 450 of them. They were up on the top of the bullock, slashing themselves on top, on top of that bullock because their gods would not answer. But we've got a God who answers prayer. He answers prayer this evening. We pray for many things. And sometimes we don't even expect an answer. But perhaps we should. Perhaps we should expect that God would answer our prayers. But as we look at this tonight, we see those two prayers of Elijah, as, I'd said, as I've said. And we see also in it the weak things of this world. 
And Elijah was aware that he was just a man. He was a prophet of God. He was a man. But with God's help and God's power, he could do miracles. Things that he could never have done on his own were done in the absolute power of God. We read those first two verses there in chapter 18. It says, It came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year. So, Elijah prayed, and he went to speak to Ahab. We read this morning in chapter 17. And now we're looking at three years later, or thereabouts, three years after he prayed that it would not rain. Three years after the drought came, and the famine came, and the cattle died, and the sheep died, and the people died. And God says to him, go show thyself to Ahab. Chapter 18, verse 1, and I will send rain upon the earth. And this man, Elijah, believed God. He believed God. And it says in verse 2, and Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab, and there was a sore famine in the land of Samaria. But he goes on to tell us about Ahab. Can you imagine how he, how he felt, how Elijah felt, having to go and see King Ahab? After causing all that problem. He was the one that prayed for no rain. God was the one that gave no rain. And yet, we see that he has to go back to King Ahab and speak to him again. I'm sure if it was us, we would be in trepidation and fear. To go and see the king, knowing that the king had the power of our life in his hands. But he was determined to go to see the king. But first of all, we see... We haven't read it, but he went to see the king's main man. We'll read it now, perhaps. Um, First of all, Ahab the king called Obadiah, the governor of his house. And we read these words. Now, Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. So Ahab had a governor of his house, and he feared the Lord greatly. So he's in Ahab's house. Ahab obviously didn't have much fear of God before his eyes to do the things that he did, to, to allow his even more wicked wife Jezebel to do the things that she did and to employ these false prophets, the prophets of Baal, to do his will. So Ahab had not much fear of God before his eyes. But we read that Elijah met up with the governor of Ahab's house. It wasn't a chance meeting. It was a meeting that was arranged by God. And Ahab met up with Obadiah, and he said, Obadiah, I know you're a man of God. Go and tell Ahab that I want to meet him. Now, you've got to think that all this time, all this three years or so, Ahab had been looking for Elijah to kill him for what he had done. He wanted to kill him. He wanted him dead. And now... Elijah's been hiding in all sorts of places, and God has been hiding Elijah and keeping him safe. And so Elijah um, has got to meet up, because God has told him to, with Ahab, and tell him that there is going to be rain eventually. And he's been in hiding for all those years. And now, instead of Ahab looking for Elijah, we've got Elijah looking to meet Ahab. Wonder what went through Ahab's mind. Is this man mad? I have got the power of life and death. 
in my hands, as he thought, I could kill him at any time. But what about Obadiah? Obadiah was a man of God. This is not the Obadiah in the, in the, in the Minor Prophets. This is about 400 years before that. And what about Obadiah? Obadiah was a man of God still working in the king's employ. He was working in the king's house. So how did he feel about this whole thing? He'd met up with Elijah, and Elijah said, I want you to go to the king and tell him to come out and meet me. Go to the king, tell him to come and meet with me. Obadiah said, are you mad? I can't do that. The king would kill me. But Elijah made him a promise, and he said, I will meet with him this very day. The thing is, you see, Obadiah being the king's servant, the king's governor, the king would have expected Obadiah to slay Elijah for what he did. He was the king's servant after all, but he was also a man of God. So Obadiah went back to the king, back to King Ahab, and he said, Okay, king, Ahab wants to meet you. So Ahab went out to meet him. And we, we meet up with that um, in verse 17 of the same chapter. First of all, verse 16, Obadiah went to meet Ahab, and he told him exactly what the prophet Elijah had said. And Ahab went to meet Elijah. Verse 17, And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? So the king says to Elijah, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? When I was thinking of, of this verse just a couple of days ago, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? We are here in Milton, and there are many people all around us, and there's the council, and there's the government, and everybody else. How much trouble do we give to anybody? We don't, do we? We're contained, and I'm not just talking about Milton, I'm talking about Bethany and Pontypridd as well. Would anybody ever come to us and say, are you those people that are troubling so-and-so? Or are you troubling the council? Are you troubling the government? And we're not. We're not. But this man troubled the whole land right up to the king. Up to the king. And that's because he was a man of God and he was acting and working, uh, working in God's power. But we're not really troubling anybody, are we? I don't know where that thought is going, but... Take it as it is from that verse. Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And Elijah comes back to him in the next verse and he says, Elijah answered, I have not troubled Israel. And we know that it was God that troubled Israel for their sin and for their disobedience and therefore their idol worship. But he says to the king, But thou, O king, and thy father's house, he has troubled the king himself and, and thy father's house, he says, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of God and thou hast followed after Balaam and the false prophets. But I believe that Ahab had a knowledge of God but, tos, tol, but chose to completely disregard God and forget about God and turn his back on God and I'll stop there a second as well. How many of us in our past, maybe we've been saved for 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, maybe longer, have we turned our back on God and chose to disregard his word and chose to disregard the things that he says? But Ahab 
was a man who totally turned his back on God, but he was still aware of the power of God. And he was still aware that Elijah was the man of God. And he was still aware that Elijah was the only one who could possibly bring rain to that region and solve the problems that they had because there was death and decay all around them. The hymn writer says, doesn't he? Death and decay in all around I see. O thou that changest not, abide with me. What a, what a hymn that is, isn't it? Abide with me. And let's pray tonight that he abides with every one of us as we sit in our seats. But Elijah had a solution to the problem, and it was a solution that was given him by God. He says to King Ahab, Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel under Mount Carmel. Gather the whole of northern Israel up to Mount Carmel and bring the prophets with you. The prophets of Baal, 450 prophets, and the prophets of the grove, 400. That's 950 prophets altogether. Those were Jezebel's prophets, 400, and the 400 were Ahab's prophets of Baal. And so Ahab did as he was told by the prophet, and he sent all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets, verse 20, together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people. And Elijah now speaks and he says, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, Not a word. And the words there, If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And how long halt ye between two opinions? It's as if a squirrel is jumping between two branches can't make up his mind which branch to go on and they are not only worshippers of Baal but they're also a little bit maybe worshipping God a little bit of worship of God a little bit of worship of Baal a mixture of the two maybe 90% of one and 10% of the other but what about us where do we stand in the worship of God and in our understanding of God and in our love for God have we got 90% love for God and 10% love for the world or the other way round even. Where do we stand? And I don't know where anybody stands here tonight before God. I hope that everyone believes his word. I hope that everyone has trusted Christ as their saviour. I hope that everyone looks to that blood of Calvary and has trusted Christ as their very own. But it's possible that there's one who has never heard the gospel message. It's possible that there's someone here tonight who's heard the gospel message many times but has never responded to it, never realized their need of a savior. But we, just like these people, the children of northern Israel, we've disobeyed God. We've broken his commandments. We're sinners in the sight of God and we need salvation. For those who have come to the Lord Jesus Christ, for those who have realized their need, You know where you stand, and you know that you have an eternity in heaven that's assured for those who believe. We know where we're going, but this world doesn't matter where you look. This world is in a mess, and it doesn't know where it's going. If you don't know where you're going tonight, then turn to the God of Elijah. Turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and trust him as your Savior. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And thou shalt be saved. That's what the word of God says. And it's as simple as that.
It's not difficult. He hasn't made it complicated. He's made it simple so the youngest can understand and know where they stand before him. But not only that, to know how to obtain eternal salvation. Do you know where you're going? Have you got eternal salvation through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? The Bible says, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's the Lord Jesus Christ speaking in John 14. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There is no other way, the hymn writer says, but to trust and obey, to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. I hope we're all in that position tonight, that we know Christ as our Savior. Let's go on with this narrative um, about the prophets of Baal and Elijah. This is a massive confrontation here. If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. They didn't say a word. Then said Elijah to the people, I, even I, only remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Well, one is a majority with God. He is with God. He is God's man in God's place at God's time, as we said this morning. And he is there with God. But in fact, he might be having a bit of a pity party there because he is saying, it's only me. I'm the only one that's left. And we could think tonight that in Milton Baptist Church that we are the only ones that are left, that are doing God's word, that everybody else in the whole of Stoke-on-Trent, has abandoned God. They've abandoned their prayer meetings, left, right, and center. They've abandoned the word of God. They've abandoned the teaching of God. But God, as I said this morning, always has his remnant. He has his remnant in Israel. He has his remnant in the church. And don't think that we are on our own. There are people out there who we have never met, and yet they love God as much as we do. They really do. And there are people all over this country. There are people that we spoke of in Afghanistan this morning. Thousands of people out there. They're in hiding tonight because they have to hide from this oppressive regime. Let's come back to the word again. Elijah here has a plan. The plan is of God. The fact is that Elijah wasn't the only one remaining anyway. If we read a few chapters further on, God has 7,000 men waiting in the wings to take up Elijah's position if necessary because God can use anybody. God, God can take up and use anybody. And God has 7,000 men that he has pre-appointed that are his men, God's men. But Elijah doesn't know about those, so he thinks he's on his own. And we sometimes think we're on our own, but we're never on our own because if God be for us, who can be against us? Then said Elijah unto the prophets, verse 22, unto the people, I, even I only remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. And he comes up with a plan, and the plan is a plan of God, and the plan is a plan of confrontation. Verse 23, let them therefore give us two bullocks, and let them choose one bullock for themselves, and cut it in pieces, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under it. And I will dress the other book and lay it on wood and put no fire under. 
And that was the proposition that Elijah made to the prophets of Baal and to the people. We've got two bullocks. You choose which bullock you want, I'll and, and I'll take the remaining bullock. So there's no jiggery-pokery. There's no, there's no cheating. You take which bullock you want, and you, you lay the fire under it, lay the wood under it, but don't set fire to it. And we'll see if your gods can light this sacrifice. And that's where, where we are at this minute. Lighting, lighting the sacrifice. The sacrifice is there, and then they go on to prepare it, and they lay it on wood, and they dress the bullock, but they put no fire under it. And he said, then you call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord, and the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And the people answered this time, and the people said, it is well spoken, or good is the word. Good is the word. It is well spoken. We'll abide uh, by that deal. The deal is, um, if your gods can set fire to this bullock, then let them be God. But if the God of heaven sets fire to this bullock, then he is God. So it is well spoken, the people said, and they decided to listen to Elijah. And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourselves. Dress it first, for you are many. And call on the name of your gods and put no fire under. And they took the bullock, which was given them, verse 26. And they dressed the bullock, and they called on the name of Baal from morning, evening, until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us, answer us. But there was no voice, nor there was no one that answered. These were dumb idols. These were dumb, these were dumb prophets. Prophets that could not do anything because they were doing nothing in the name of God. They were calling upon Baal, a dumb idol, and they leaped upon the altar which was made. So they made a lot of noise, and it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them. He laughed at them in verse 27 and said, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is talking, or he is pursuing, or he's on a journey, or peradventure he sleepeth and must be awakened. So Elijah is mocking them, saying perhaps he's meditating, perhaps he's sleeping, perhaps he's doing this, perhaps he's doing that. It's a brave thing to do in the face of such an adversary, wasn't it? They cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancets till the blood gushed out upon them. Now these were children of Israel, of the northern kingdom of Israel, and they should know from the book of Deuteronomy that they weren't to cut themselves in that way. And uh, they didn't know, obviously, or they ignored it and forgot about it, or they were so desperate to, to, get, um, to get Baal and their gods to burn this sacrifice that they did everything that was in their power. But they reckoned without the power of God, and they reckoned without the power of Elijah's God. And it came to pass in verse 29, when midday was past, and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that there was neither voice nor any one to answer, nor any that regarded. And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near to Elijah, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And that's where we all need to come, isn't it? To the repair of the altar that was broken down. The repair of our prayer 
and the repair of our prayer meetings and the repair of our Bible readings. And I'm reminded of Nehemiah in chapter 8 where Ezra stands on that pulpit of wood and he speaks to the people and he speaks to the people and he reads from the word of God from first thing in the morning till, till midday, till noon, he reads to them and the people have stood there listening to the word of God and he reads from the word of God distinctly. That's what we are told. We're not, we don't read that he actually preached. He just read from the law and from the word of God. That was a repair of the altar of God. It was a thousand years since those things had been done. But you remember that Ezra brought those people back to God. And the same thing is happening here. The altar needed repairing. The people needed to know that the God of heaven was the God of Israel. And Elijah brings them back in no uncertain terms. He repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Verse 30. Verse 31. Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, and to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar, as great as would contain two measures of seed. Now, as far as I can gather, two measures of seed was about 23 litres or thereabouts. And what did he do with it? He put water, uh, those measures, verse 33, sorry. And he put the wood in order and he cut the bullock in pieces and he laid the, the bullock on the wood and he said, fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And that's what was done. Let me ask you a question. What was the most, what was the commodity that was needed the most? Water. Absolutely. And he was wasting water. He was wasting water. But he, when you think about it, if he had put all this water, 12 barrels in all, however much a barrel was, I don't know, but it was a tremendous amount of water. Now, if he had put all that water on the altar and in the trench around about, the people must have been thinking, well, we haven't got any water to drink. What's the man doing? He's, he's using all, up, up, all that water. But what was he doing? He was laying it all on the altar. Yeah. He would have been slain. There's no doubt about that. If this, if this sacrifice hadn't caught fire, if the fire hadn't come down from God, he was totally reliant on God. Absolutely reliant. The water was there in the trench and he had laid all on the altar before God. He was a dead man if it hadn't worked. So we see that he is there and he puts all these gallons of water upon the altar or liters if you're a bit more modern than I am. He said, do it the second time. And they did it the second time. Verse 34. And he said, do it the third time. So there's 12 barrels of water and the water ran round about the altar. It was soaking wet and he filled the trench also with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and he said, and here we see another prayer of Elijah, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. 
So he didn't do anything at his own word or of his own behest. He did it all at the word of God. And this is a wonderful verse. He's still in prayer to God and he says, verse 37, take a note of this verse. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. So again, Elijah is humble in that verse. He wants no glory for himself. He's absolutely humble before God that the people may know that this thou, O God, hast turned the people's heart back to thee. And if the people's heart in this country or this city or this street are to be turned back to God, it won't be because you did it or I did it. Yeah. It will be because God did it. Yeah. And much prayer is needed, as we can see in Elijah's life, to do that. Verse 38. <clears throat> then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice. Do you know, that verse just starts with those words, then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice. Almost sounds as if, as if it's a foregone conclusion. The prayers have been said from Elijah to God, and God has promised what he will do to Elijah. And it didn't only burn the wood and the sacrifice and the stones and the dust, but it licked up all the water that was in the trench as well. What a miracle that God could come out in all his power and all his glory and show the people that he was God. And when all the people saw it, verse 39, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. So there was a repentance there on the part of the people. And Elijah, despite what he had to do to get that repentance and to get them to come back to God, despite those three and a half years with no rain, despite the death of the cattle and the, the death of, the, of, of all the animals and the death of a lot of people, and the widows that were in Israel at that time, and the children and the babies, despite all that, they had turned their hearts back to God again. Do we need such drastic measures to get our hearts turned back to God? Or have we turned them back because we believe him and we trust him, and we see in his word the only answer to this world's problems? Let's hurry on to the next point. So, the Lord, he is God. And Elijah said unto them, Take those prophets of Baal, let not one of them escape. And they took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon, and he slew them there. So those evil prophets of Baal were slain, and that was God's will. That was absolutely God's will. Turn, if you would, back to where we started this morning. Just two verses do you remember where we started this morning in the book of James? James Epistles, thank you for that, for reminding me I'd forgotten. Um, James. And chapter 5 and verse 17. What does it say? Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. What does that mean? Elijah, as far as I'm concerned, when we look back in history, was an absolutely extraordinary man. But James is saying here, by the power of God, that this man was a man subject to like passions as we are. 
He was a man or a woman, the same as we are. He was no different. He was no different. He, he was just a man that was used of God. But look at what his prayer can do. He prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not by the space of three years and six months. And then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. So if we want to bring forth fruit for God, we've got to be earnestly praying that God will bring forth fruit in each one of us. Go back to verse 16, which we didn't read this morning. And it says, The effectual pr fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You know these words. You've read them often enough yourselves. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. What does it mean? Who is a righteous man? And I'm sure that this means righteous people, righteous men, and righteous women. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous person availeth much. Have we got any righteousness of our own? We haven't. The only thing we can say is with the words of the hymn writer, clothed in his righteousness divine, faultless to stand before the throne. We cannot stand before the throne of God in our own merit and in our own righteousness, but only in the righteousness of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we come back to him. So he doesn't say of the righteous man, the effective, fervent prayer of the righteous man. In other words, pointing to that man down the road there, or that man down the road there, or the man on that side of the church, or the woman on that side of the church. He said, the effective, fervent prayer of any righteous man, of any righteous man. So that makes us all, doesn't it? Prayer warriors. We can come before God only because of the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ and the things we ask for in faith, in his will, he will answer. So God will add his blessing to the reading of his word tonight and gives us points to ponder. There's a lot I've missed out there. There's a lot of detail that we could talk about, but you can read it all at your leisure. Those three or four chapters there in, uh, in 1 Kings 17, 18, and the rest that follow. Read every reference you can to the man Elijah and see what he did for God. But tonight, a greater than Elijah is here, and he is the Lord Jesus Christ.